0: But Joshua chapter number three, verse number nine, the Bible says this. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, come hither and hear the words of the Lord your God. Now I want you to listen to this whole, we're going to read a couple of verses here, but this is a story and I want you to get the, the grasp of this. And Joshua said, hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you that he is with you, that he is, I'm sorry, without fail, drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and Jebusites. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you into Jordan. Now therefore take you out twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe a man. And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the Ark of the Lord... Of the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon an heap. And it came to pass when the people removed their tents to pass over the Jordan, and the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as they that bear the ark were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest. That the waters which came down from above stood and arose up upon an heap very far from the city, Adam, that is, beside Zaratan. And those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people passed over, Right against Jericho, and the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed over jo- clean over Jordan. Now look at chapter number four, and it came to pass when the people were clean passed over Jordan. Now catch what just happened. If you haven't caught what just happened, they are trying to get over the, the Jordan River. And they're trying to get through to get over towards Jericho. Now I'm going to pick up in verse number two. They've now made their way over to Jer- uh, across the Jordan River on dry ground. Verse number two, take you out 12 men out of the people, out of every tribe a man. And command ye them saying, take, uh, take you out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, 12 stones. And ye shall carry them over with you. And leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe of man, and Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan. And he tells them to do exactly what God told uh, Joshua to have them do. Take you every man a stone. Upon his shoulder, according unto the number of tribes of the children of Israel, that's 12, he told them to grab 12 stones, that this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them, that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off. And these stones, I want you to listen, these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. I want to talk on this subject this morning. What mean ye by these stones? Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning. Guide my mouth, guide my lips, may the words that come out of my mouth, may they be honoring and glorifying to you. I pray you'd hide me behind the cross this morning. And may only those things that are supposed to be said, may they be said. Father, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you as personal Savior this morning, I pray that they'd come to know you as personal Savior. I pray that they'd give up their pride and they'd ask you to come into their heart and to save them from their sin, that they'd know they'd have eternity in a place called heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. On New Year's Day, in the Tournament of Roses parade, very famous parade, well-televised parade, great big parade, many, many years ago there was a float. And this float was going on through. It seemed to be about in the middle of the parade, and this float was moving on through. The parade was going just as planned. It was perfect. And if any of you put on a big event, you know more than anybody putting on a big event, if something like that, if there's one little minor, well, let's, for example, screens this morning, one little event, one little minute detail that does not go according to plan, everything else is out of place. And so in this Tournament of Roses parade, I don't want to be the guy that has to plan how fast each, each float's got to go. I don't want to be the guy that plans where every float is going to start. I don't want to be the guy that has to rope off every bit of a road that they, that they drive down. I don't want to be that guy because I guarantee you something's going to go wrong. Well, that just happened this Tournament of Roses parade. I want you to think about what happened. Here's what happened. These floats were going and in the middle of the float, in the middle of the parade, there was this float and this float ran out of gas. In the middle of the parade, in the middle of the road, in the middle of all the floats that still got to go behind him, he runs out of gas. Now, if you know anything about this parade, there's no going around. There's no skirting off to the side and changing a flat tire. You don't do that you got to, you're stuck. And so they had to sit there and they had to wait and they had to wait and they had to wait until someone could go to the local gas station and get some gas and fill up their their float with gas. Now, this is a funny story. It's all well and good. But here's the ironic part of this whole story. The float that ran out of gas, some of you have heard the story before, the float that ran out of the gas represented the standard oil company. And we think that's all funny and good. And it is funny and good. The standard oil company, the company that is representing, they've got it. They've got the oil. Like, come get the oil. They're not even tapping into the oil that they have. And let me tell you something. We laugh at that story. It's hilarious. It's great that an oil company runs out of gas in the middle of a big parade and people are stuck behind them. But we as Christians are just the same way. We have the potential to tap into a God who has all the power in all the world. We have access to that God, and yet we live a life down, depressed, and in the dumps. We live a life that acts like we can't do a single thing in the world because we don't have access to the greatest thing in all the world, the God that created the world. Christians have access to the greatest power source in all the world, yet we find ourselves constantly not tapping into that power. I mean, think about it. We're talking about the same God that created everything you see this morning. That's the God we're talking about. We're talking about the God that spoke all of that into existence. We're talking about a God that sent a flood to cover the entire earth. That flood, that same God is the God we're talking about. The same God who protected Jonah when he was in the belly of the whale. You remember that God? Remember the God that protected Daniel when he was in the lion's den? A couple weeks ago we talked about Daniel in the lion's den and I'm amazed at how God protected Daniel in the middle of all these hungry lions that didn't get fed very often and he's in the middle of all these hungry lions and And yet he did not get eaten. Think about it. That's a a miracle. The reason they do that is because the first thing those lions do is they chomp on what gets thrown in there. And God protect them. That's the God we're talking about. The same God that was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in that fiery furnace. That same God. The power of that God is who we're talking about. The same God who fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. The same God that made the blind see. The same God that we know is the God that of the power that we're not tapping into. But man, we have a powerful God. This week, putting this together and just thinking about God, I got up early this morning. And I started thinking about how powerful God is. Man, the God that we serve is so powerful. I mean, everything that we see came from God. God. He spoke it, and it was here. But oh, how little we proclaim it. You know, we have that power source, just like that standard oil company. They didn't tap into it. We don't tap into it, but if we do tap into it, and we do get that power of God in our life, and it's evident as a part of our life, we don't talk about it there's people all around our community that don't know about the power of God in my personal life why because I, I, it's not as evident as it ought to be in my life the power of God isn't shown as it ought to be I'm not out here listen I'm not out here proclaiming a God that's been in the grave that's still that's still sitting there is dead and is is dying and, and has all the all the the wrap around him and is still dead I serve a God and the power I serve a God that is so powerful he defeated death he defeated hell and he defeated the grave that God the God God that rose, the one we celebrated a couple weeks ago from Easter, that God is the God we serve. And that God loved me so much that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him shouldn't perish, but would have everlasting life. And this morning, if you're here and you don't know that God, And you may sit, you're sitting here and you're saying, I don't know that God. I don't really know the full understanding of what that God can do. Let me tell you, He can change your life. He has the power to speak everything you see into existence, but He doesn't just have that power. He has the power to change your life. I've seen it. I've seen God take lives that have been completely destroyed. And I've seen what God can do with a life that is completely yielded to him. Work in the ministry, you'll, you'll see it. I guarantee you, God will, you will see God do amazing, wonderful, awesome things in the lives of people that just completely yield themselves over to, them, over to him. And I'm telling you, this God is so awesome. But I want you to go to our text for a second. Go to Joshua chapter number four. I want you to look at what happened in this passage. We talked about how Joshua... Joshua and the children of Israel by the way, this is right after Joshua takes over from Moses, if you're catching where we're at in Joshua. This is like one of the first things that happens after Joshua takes over from Moses. The children of Israel have been wandering for 40 years in the wilderness, and we pick up right here. and I want you to look at verse number four and chapter number four, because now they have just walked through, they've walked through the Jordan River. On dry ground. And in a little bit, we'll talk about how awesome that is. But they walk through the Jordan River on dry ground. And now God tells Joshua, I want you to look down at verse number four. It came to pass when all the people were clean passed over Jordan. Now they've gone through the Jordan River. The Lord spake unto Joshua, and he said this. Take out 12 men out of every tribe of man and command them, saying, Take you out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, 12 stones. Okay, like, why, why am I getting stones right now? He says, take out 12 stones, carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where you'll lodge this night. So Joshua got the men together, and look at verse number uh, 5. Joshua said unto them, pass before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of Jordan, take you up, every one of you, a stone. He's making the commandment. He's telling them what God told them to do. Take up a stone upon your shoulders. So mind you, these aren't just little tiny stones. These are like big st- stones that they're putting up on their shoulders, and he puts it up on his. They're putting them on the shoulders according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. But number six, verse number six. Why are they doing this? That this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, what mean ye by these stones? And you'll answer them. That the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off. And these stones will be a memorial. Under the children of Israel forever. Notice what he says. He's like, hey, guess what? You just walked across the Jordan River on dry ground. That's a miracle. I want you to take these 12 stones and I want you to put a memorial up. I want you to take 12 stones out of the middle of the Jordan River and where the feet of the priest stood and where you could walk by and I want you to take these 12 stones and I want you to put them where you're going to stay tonight and I want you to put up a memorial and I want it to stay there. Why would, why would God have them put just a random memorial up there? And why would He have them put 12 stones? He did it for this, that you may tell your children what God has done. What God has done. The power of God. And why did they put those 12 stones at where they were going to stay that night? Because for years and years and years down the road, they can point back to those stones and say, hey, you see those stones? God got us across that river right there on dry ground. God took us across that river right there on dry ground. He parted that. He made it to so where we could walk through. He made it to where it was impossible, but he did it. And I want to tell you about my God. And that's what the children of Israel, that's how it happened. He told them, take those 12 stones on you to put them there, and I want you to talk about power that I have. That God, our God, the same one that you and I pray to, the same one that you and I have a relationship with, that God made it to where the children of Israel could cross that river on dry ground. I want you to look at this this morning. What mean ye by these stones? Number one this morning, God's power before. I want you to hear me out. Turn back to Exodus. If you bear with me for just a second. Turn back to Exodus chapter number 14 with me. I want to tell you a story. Something very awesome happened in Exodus chapter number 14. Exodus chapter number 14. Let's go down to verse number 13. Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. Hey, we're talking about the power of God. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. Remember how the children of Israel were in captivity in in Egypt? Okay. Remember how they were stuck as slaves? And God's about to bring them out of Egypt. And God is going to use Moses to take them out of Egypt. And I want you to follow this for just a second. He says in verse number 14, uh, 15, the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward, but lift thou thy rod, stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Does any of this sound familiar? Almost like we just heard that the children of Israel walked across the river on dry ground. But back, in, back 40 years ago, before they went into the wilderness, they're walking through the Red Sea on dry ground. Now, I want you to catch something. How awesome is it is, it is to, to know the rest of the story? It's so cool to know that in 40 years, they're going to walk across the Jordan River just like they walked across the Red Sea on dry ground. But in the Red Sea, they don't know that 40 years down the road, they're going to cross over the Jordan River too. And they're not going to know that they can see the power of God in 40 years. They had to trust God now in 1446. I want you to catch me for a second. Moses took his rod, and he put it over the sea, the Red Sea, and he says, he didn't have to say anything. And the waters start moving to the side. And the waters start going away. There's the waters which were, which were uh, flowing and going, and it was a big, the Red Sea, and they just start moving. And they start going, and it makes a wall. And now the children of Israel can go across the Red Sea to get away from the Egyptians, and to run away from what, the, the captivity where they were. And God says in verse 17, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them and I will get my honor. I will get me and uh, they shall follow them and I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen and the Egyptians. I love this. Ready? Listen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. God wanted, I don't know if you've caught how many times he says, I, the Lord, the Lord will do this. The Lord will go here. The Lord will fight for you. The Lord will part the sea. The Lord will do this. I don't know if you caught that, but let me tell you something. For the children of Israel, he wanted to get across to them. I will fight for you. I am strong enough. I am have the power. I can do what you're asking. Just trust me. Just trust me. God has the power. And he says, trust me and watch me take care of you. Now go over to Exodus chapter 17 because in Exodus chapter number 17, now they've gone through the Red Sea. They've seen the walls parted. They've seen the fish looking at them as they're walking through. They've seen all this stuff and they've seen God part these walls of water and they've walked through. And now in Exodus chapter number 17, it starts out with the people complaining. They've just seen God do some of the craziest things that any human being probably has ever seen and now they're like, yeah, we don't have enough water. Yeah, God, it's cool that you can put walls of water up, but where's my water? You got any Aquafina? By the way, that's my, my water. I love Aquafina. I can't drink Zephyr Hills for all you Zephyr Hills drinkers. It's just not, it's not good. Aquafina. But they're complaining that they don't have water. And they just watched God do one of the biggest miracles. And now they're standing there, they say, we don't have water. Exodus chapter number 17 the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink. Where the, peop- the people did chide with Moses. said, give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, why chide ye with me? You tempt the Lord and the people thirsted there for water. And they murmured against Moses and said, wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt? He said, well, you brought us up out of Egypt just to kill us and to kill our children and to thirst our cattle and make them die. And Moses cried unto the Lord and said, what do I do with this people? What do I do? They're complaining. They just watched you to do this crazy miracle. And now they're complaining that they don't have enough water. And here's what, I want you to watch what God does. God says, Moses, see that rock over there? He says, yeah. I want you to take your rod. I want you to run over to that rock. I just want you to take your rod and I want you to smack it. Just smack it. And watch what I'll do. And Moses goes over there. Mind you, he obeyed God. Walked over to the rock. And he smacked it. You know what happened? Water. For all the children of Israel. Now all the children of Israel have water. And now all the children of Israel are happy again because they have what they want. And they've seen go the—they've seen them go through the Red Sea. They've watched God part the sea. They've watched water come out of a rock. How many of you have ever seen water come out of a rock? I didn't think so. They've watched water come out of a rock. And now they're about to go fight the Amalekites. And they're about to go into battle with the Amalekites. And the children of Israel are not, they're a little scared. They're a little scared. And now they go to fight the Amalekites And in verse number 8. Then came Amalek. Go to verse 9. Moses said unto Joshua, choose us out men. Go out, fight with Amalek. And tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Now, I'll I'll paraphrase the story. Basically, Moses goes to the top of the hill with Aaron and Hur. And as they're fighting the Amalekites, Moses is holding up his rod and as he holds his rod the children of Israel are winning the battle but the minute he gets tired and he starts to lower his arm and he lowers his rod the Israelites begin to lose and they begin to fail and so it was a sign that hold God up hold the rod up and the children of Israel will prevail and so they sat him on a stone. They sat him on a rock, and Aaron and her held his hands up. How many of you know that story? Yes, it's an awesome story. And the children of Israel prevailed and won. Now, the children of Israel have seen God bring them through the Red Sea. They've seen God uh, have water out of a rock. They've seen how crazy that is. Now they've watched God, as, he holds, as Moses holds up a rod, they've watched God make them a victory because of All that God can do in the power of God. Now, I want you to listen to this. How many of you in this room have seen God move? You don't have to raise your hands, but I want you to think about this. How many of you have seen God work? And we sit here today and we say, I am who I am. Let me tell you something. The power of God has been evident in, in every single person's life here this morning. You've been able to see God work on your behalf you've seen god come through strong for you in a situation you've seen god work on your behalf to bring a family member back to a family member or to see a family member overcome something strong or to see a relationship that has been restored you've seen god work on your behalf and i know you have you have breath to wake up this morning because you're seeing god work on your behalf and i want you to think about something God, The power that God had back then is the same power that God has now. That, the same God that brought the children of Israel through the Red Sea, brought them through the Jordan River, that's the God we serve and we've served the God that has brought you through the valley. The same God that's brought you through that struggle. The same God that brought you through all those things that maybe you've faced and you've struggled with and you've battled and you've fought against. That God brought you through. But yet, we're like this. Not a single person knows that God brought us through. Not a single person knows that it was God. In fact, someone comes to you and says, Man, what a bunch, that was a great amount of willpower that you had to get through that. Why, yes, it was. If I do say so myself. Why, yes, it was. I did do that on my own. I did get through that battle. I did fight that fight on my own. I did get through that by myself. No. Every single one of us has seen the power of God moving, yet at the end of it, we say, no, no, that was me. I, I did that. I fought that. I, I did that battle on my own. God's power before. Share about how God has brought you through some of those things. Man. But I want you to look at number two. God's power Now. God has, God's had power. We watched him bring them through the Red Sea. But now we're in the Jordan River. You ready? We're in the Jordan River. And now we got to cross the Jordan River. And these Israelites, they know what their fathers and their mothers did, how they were brought through the Red Sea. And now they got to cross the Jordan River. And I want you to catch what happens. I don't really think we truly understand how big the Jordan River was. We think the Jordan River, like, okay, I got to get from here to the back of the auditorium. No, the Jordan River wasn't that small. In fact, if you look in, turn back to Joshua with me. If you look in Joshua, chapter number, I believe it's uh, in chapter 3. But if you look at it, it said it was at the time of the harvest. uh, Chapter number 3 and verse number 15. Towards the end, it says, For Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of the harvest. Now, listen to this. It is estimated that at the time of the harvest that it's talking about here, which was its uh, heavy season, rainy season, busy season, right? That time, it's estimated that that river could have been as wide as two miles long. And some of us think, well, God did a great job. He got them from there to the back of the auditorium. No, he He took them through a Jordan River that was about two miles wide. It's estimated that, it, oh, by the way, it's the rainy season, it's crazy season, and so uh, it was it was uh, flowing very heavy. It was pretty heavy. And now it's not just flowing heavy. It's not just two miles wide, but it is said at some point in the middle, it's anywhere from 100 to 120 feet deep. And now these... Israelites have got to walk through that. And can, let me just, can we be the Israelites for a second? Let's walk up to the Jordan River, two miles wide, 120 feet deep, flowing in the middle of harvest season. And you want to tell me that we're going to walk through that, right? We're going to walk through that. Our God's going to bring us through that. And we look at the Jordan River and we say, no, no, that ain't happening. gods a, there's no way I can get through the Jordan River. There's no way I can walk through that. Are you kidding me? Are you crazy? Are you Are you insane right now? No, I don't think we would do it. I really don't think that if, if we were to stand at the Jordan River right now, and we were to say, as you walk, God will part the water. I don't think we'd do it. But I want you to notice how God works. In Exodus, when we watched the Red Sea get parted, who stood out and held their rod? Moses did, right? Moses walked out, and he held his rod, and when he held out his rod, the water started to part. I want you to notice what happens here. Joshua doesn't go, and he doesn't put his rod over the water, and the water doesn't part. That's not how it happened. Watch what happens. You see the obedience of the people as they walk into the water. As they, so the waters which came down from above rose up upon a heap very far from the city, verse number 16. And the waters, it was as the people stepped in the water, the water started to to move as they made another step the water started to move as they made another step the water started to move and as they made steps watch me in obedience the water started to part i want you to listen for a second god was trying to teach his people obedience first john chapter one verse number seven but if we walk in the light As he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Notice that he says, when we walk in the light that God's given, I want you to, it goes like this. As you take a step, God makes it clear. As you take another step, God makes it clear. As you make another step, God makes it clear. I'm not going to take another step, some of you. And as you make those steps and you obey God and as you walk in obedience to where God is placing you and you get the light that he's given to you, it starts to make sense. But it didn't make sense before they made the step. It didn't make sense before they walked into the water. It didn't make sense before they did what God asked them to do. And it's not going to make sense when you're doing what you're doing if you don't obey what God wants you to do. It doesn't make sense at first. But when you make the step, it all starts to make sense. And as you take another step, it starts to make sense. And it all comes together. And God, as they got... Can you imagine being in the middle of that river? Can you imagine being in the middle of the Jordan River and all of a sudden going, Really? Really? All that, we we just, that just happened. God just, the power of God just came in and it showed himself strong and mighty on our behalf. And I truly believe that those waters would not have been dry if the children of Israel wouldn't have started walking. And you and I will not ever see the power of God until we start to obey him and we take that step out by faith and say, "Okay, God, let me see you work. Let me see what you're going to do. Let me watch how you come in strong on my behalf." And have you let me ask you this, have you fully obeyed what God's asked you? You can lie, you can lie to me, you can lie to yourself, but at the end of the day, you can't lie to God. He knows if you've obeyed what you've asked him, to, what he's asked you to do. He knows if that's what you're doing, and you haven't taken that full step of obedience into the scary land where God wants to take you through. And some of us are just sitting on dry ground because it's safe and it's okay, it's easy, it's not scary. But He wasn't just teaching them obedience; He was teaching them independence. Back in Exodus, you saw Moses put the rod over, and all of a sudden the waters departed. But God didn't have Joshua do that this time. You know what he did? He had the people obey. The people had to obey. And there was a little bit of independence, because listen, if you always depend on the pastor to get you through struggles, you are you need to look at your Christian walk and your Christian faith. I'm not saying that the pastor is not always there to help you, because he is there to help you. But let me tell you, if the first place you go is to the pastor and not to God, then you got something backwards. The first place in your relationship, when you have an issue, when there's not uh, when you have some things going in your life, when things come and they hit you square in the face... Your first prayer, your first mode of operation ought to be to go to God and say, God, what do I need to do? Your pastor's here. He wants to help you. He wants to pray with you. He wants to be by your side, yes. But that ought not to be the first place we go to. Our relationship ought to be with God and then to others. It ought to be with God. God wants to show himself strong on your behalf. He wants to to show himself strong. I mean, if you looked in Exodus, he was said, hey, look, the Lord will do this. The Lord will bring you through. The Lord will guide you. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. And he wanted to show himself strong and he wanted to show himself mighty and he wanted to show himself to be the person that they could trust and the God that they could put their faith in. Many of us were forced into a life of faith as soon as this little storm hit several months ago. God, I gotta trust you. I had nowhere else to turn. If that's what it takes you know, to live a life of faith, trusting God, then so be it. But you know what? All of us on a regular basis ought to say, God, as you tell me what to do, I'm just going to obey. And I'm going to watch you part the waters. And I'm going to watch as the Jordan River gets moved. And I'm going to watch as the Jordan River's in the water, as I walk in obedience, and as I take a step, and as I move, and as I go, I'm going to watch as you protect And guide me. Why this story though? They tell you this crazy story about the the Israelites. But why this story? Number three. In conclusion this morning. God's plan. What's God's plan with these? Well first he's going to use the stones. To tell about what God has done. There ought to be something in your life. There ought to be something that you've written down. There ought to be a time and place in your life that you've got some stuff written down that you can talk about what God has done in your life. Man, God's brought some of you through some miracle situations. And I've been here for some of them. And I've watched. God wants to use those miracles. God wants to use those things. He wants to use it for the betterment of other people. I don't think I went through what I went through as a, as a teenager just so I could keep it to myself. You know what? I, I, I love working with our young people. I love it. It's the greatest job in the world. Someone says, you're crazy. Yeah, I am crazy. But you know what? I love what I do. Why? Because I don't want other people to make some of the same mistakes I made. And some of the things that you've, you've seen God do and some of the power, that, in the power of God that you've seen in your life, it's like it never happened. Use the stones to tell about what God has done in your life. Write some things down. Have some things that you can talk about because God has changed your life. He's changed you. But don't just use the stones to tell about what God has done. Use the stones to tell about what God is doing now. Is God doing anything in your life now? I hope you can see it. Too many times we just look around and we say, God, what are you doing? Is there really anything going on? But God, thank you for the breath that I have this morning. That's something to be thankful for. Hey, the breath that you had when you got up this morning, that was given to you by God. The very lungs that you used to breathe were made by God. Use the stones to tell about what God has done. Use the stones to talk about what God is doing now. But lastly, use the stones, this is most important, to share Christ. God has changed. I've seen the lives changed by what God can do. I said earlier, when you yield, fully yield yourself to God, I can tell you, he'll change your life. He'll change it. And I want you to listen. Because at the end of the day, God changed your life. And I use this illustration all the time because I heard it and it's stuck in my head. So maybe it'll stick in someone else's head. But God didn't just save me so that I could just be saved. That's, there's, there's no, what is that all about? If he would save me just to be saved and he saved me from a life of sin, going to hell, he saved me from that, a life of, of misery. He saved me from that. But if he just saved me from that to save me from it, why didn't he knock me on the head with a baseball bat and take me to heaven as soon as I got saved? Why didn't he do that? He did that because he wanted those stones to be used so you could share Christ with someone. You all have a testimony in this room. If you're saved and you know Jesus Christ is your personal savior, you've got stones to share about. There are stones in your life that you can take and you can say, hey, let me tell you what God's done in my life. Let me tell you, I, I probably wasn't the person that, God, that people thought were going to be saved. I probably wasn't the person people thought were going to be sitting in a church on a Sunday morning listening to a crazy young man preach about, gospel, about the gospel. I probably wasn't that man. But can I tell you, God changed my life. God changed my life. And every single one of us in this room, if you're saved, you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you can share the love of Christ with somebody. You can invite them to church. You can hand them a tract. But I'm going to tell you something. God didn't just bring you through those valleys and those trials and those, te- those tests. And he didn't bring you through all of that. And he didn't show himself strong on your behalf just so you could hold it in and keep it all to yourself. No. You know what God did? He said, I'm going to save you because I want you to tell others about me. Because I want you to talk about how the Lord has changed your life let me ask you a question I want you to answer to yourself when's the last time you told someone about the power of Christ and how he's changed you and how he's come strong on your behalf some of you are in this room this morning and you've been maybe invited by somebody or you're here and you just happen to walk in the building this morning and you don't know if today would be your last day you don't know if you'd spend eternity in a place called heaven On Wednesday night, we had two young teenagers pray and ask Jesus Christ to save them. One came to me and said, I'm 16 years old. He said, I didn't know God could forgive me for the wrong that I've done. (laughs) God loved you so much. He forgave everything you ever did. Everything. He loved you so much that the only son he ever had came to this earth to die so that you and I could spend eternity in a place called heaven. And when I was seven years old, I got on my knees before God and I said, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I can't save myself. I know that if I were to die right now, I would not spend eternity in a place called heaven. But God, would you come into my life, forgive me of my sin and save me? And you know what? Romans 10, 13, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you're in this room today, it's not by chance. It's not by accident. But it's because God placed you here. God puts you here so you could hear what his word says about how you can know 100% sure that you're going to spend eternity in a place called heaven. I'd like everybody's head bowed and everybody's eyes closed. Father, we're so thankful for what you've done in our hearts this morning. Thank you for this passage of Scripture. Would you help and guide us as we move forward in the coming days? Everybody's heads are bowed and their eyes are closed. I'd like to just ask a couple questions this morning. You say, Johnny, I'm here this morning and I really don't know If I were to take my last breath today, I I don't fully know 100% sure. I can't say with for sure certainty if I were to spend eternity in heaven. I I, I can't say that for sure. I wish I could. I want to be able to do that, and I don't know for sure. But I really would like to know. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I just want you to slip your hand up. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? I'm looking all over the building. If you say, I don't know Jesus Christ, I don't know if I'm going to spend eternity in a place called heaven, would you just slip your hand up? I want to pray for you. If you're here this morning and you say, you know, Johnny, God's changed my life. He's made a huge impact on my life. He's done some things for me that nobody else could have ever, ever, ever done. And you want to give a testimony to God, would you just slip your hand up all over the building? My hands raised this morning. Amen. Hands all over. You can lower your hands. God's come through on your behalf. God has shown his power on your behalf. So the first thing this morning is this. How many of you would come to this altar this morning and just give God thanks? Just say, God, thank you. Thank you for coming in strong on my behalf. Thank you for showing me your power and how strong you really are. Some of you this morning, you've seen God work and you just raised your hand to testify about it. But some of you have been closed lip about it. I'll be the first one to tell you and I'll be the first to admit I wish I wouldn't be so closed lip about what God's done in my life. It's as simple as sharing my testimony with somebody. It's as simple as sharing my life story about how God has changed me and come through strong. And how many of you this morning would make a commitment to say, I know that maybe I haven't been doing what I've supposed to have been doing and I haven't been as strong of a witness and I haven't been strong in the power, talking about the power of God, but today I'm making a commitment. And I'm setting these 12 stones out and I'm going to say, God has changed my life and I'm not going to be ashamed of it. How many of you would make that commitment with me this morning and say, Pastor Johnny, I want to commit to being the testimony ought to be. Would you raise your hand all over the building? Amen. Amen. All over the building. This morning, I challenge you. It's one thing to make a commitment in your seat, but to come and to ask God and to take that step and say, God. I need to make this commitment this morning. Would you help me? If God's moved on your heart and you've made a commitment or you would like to just thank God, this altar's here. Man, I'm so thankful for what God's done in my life. I'm so thankful. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you, didn't, you were just too bashful to raise your hand, I'll be standing right here. And I'd like to just talk with you. I'd like to answer your question. They can put you with a counselor. They can show you some things. They can help you and guide you through some things. Maybe you're here this morning and you'd like to join Calvary Baptist Church or you need to be baptized. You know you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and you need to follow him in believer's baptism. And you say, that's me this morning. Would you just come? Come talk to me. I'm going to get you with somebody. We're going to get some things in your hands. And we want to help you. Father, thank you so much for this time that you've given to us. I pray that you'd help us now. In Jesus' name.